All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope, especially those of y'all who are visiting from California. Um, My name is Rusty Tungit. I am just one of the lowly elders here at at Hope. Um, But when Tom goes to um, celebrate a belated graduation with his daughter, I get the privilege of bringing God's word um, to you. So let's start with what we've got going on around here. And um, first of all, you've got this prayer card in your bulletin. Um, We love praying for you and keeping up with what's going on in your lives. So please use this. Um, If you are visiting, you can use that to tell us that you were here as well. We should have gotten an email this morning with our Hope for Kids curriculum. Um, Looks like, you know, if any of them bothered to show up as opposed to going to a soccer game, not looking at the little boys or anything. Hey, 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 hey. hey. (laughs) Looks like you guys will be making a fan. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, Jen and Deb have been, um, gosh, it's been a long time now. They have been week by week spending the time and the effort to design a curriculum that follows with the sermon series. And so this is not the type of thing that you can go to, you know, like baptist.com and buy, you know, three years worth of curriculum, right? That then you just have to execute. Sorry. (laughs) This sheet of paper, I can't imagine the amount of time that this um, represents in the lives of Jen and Deb. The next time you see them, please encourage them because they are working their tails off and they're trying to set up conversations at lunch so that your kids are back there learning an extension of what you guys are learning here in the sermon. So it's kind of all coming together there so they're doing an an amazing job what else do we have going on around here Um, of course we have our member portal um, on our website so if if you need to know um, what's going on connect with us there we have a um, a Tuesday night Bible study it's also on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. we're keeping up with the sermon series and diving deeper into the text there. Youth group um, is going <laughs> to... I messed that up. Youth group. Thank you. Very good. When did Tom train y'all to say that? That predated me. Like 16 years ago? And so he's, he beat that into you 16 years ago and it still works? Nice, nice. When rocks was kind of new, I'm sure. Okay. Um, youth group is going to meet tonight via Zoom. Um, we, our seniors are about to move into finals, so we're going to m- keep that short, but I just want to check in with them and, and see, see what they're doing. Um, Discover Hope. This is our three-week class that um, is required to um, move into membership here at Hope. This is week two, so if you went to week one, we'd love to have you back. Um, and then at any point, you can go through Discover Hope. There's no commitment there. You can just learn about hope and go, y'all really are as crazy as you seem. And no, 
right? That, that's what wise people do. Some people are crazy enough to stick around. Um, but that the second class will be today. And then on um, May the 20th, this next Friday, we're having a men's night here at the church. We will start hanging out um, around 5, probably eat some meat around 7, and um, just dive into each other's lives and, and do some, some good work there. I hope you guys can um, join us. And then if you guys would be in prayer about um, the pastor from our sister church in Kamawani, Cuba, uh, Pastor Miguel is coming on June the 12th. So um, that will be special. That'll be the Sunday that sends us into the Blueprint Week, which Blueprint um, is most of y'all know is the ministry that we partner with every summer where we go into urban San Antonio and work with houses that are living at one and a half times or below the poverty level and we help them make their houses warmer safer drier Kevin did I get that right no only took like six years all right um warmer safer drier and one of the coolest things is that you guys can volunteer um if you're not on the trip, right, you can still come see us. You can serve in the kitchen to help make dinner um, one of those nights that we're there. So we, we, get, we meet up here at the church about 3 o'clock on a Sunday, and we go claim our, our dorm room space. And then the first thing we do is have dinner. So somebody's got to be there to prepare it. And then there's dinner Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. So there's five opportunities there. I think Lois was telling me that there are currently 24 open slots, and we've only, we've only taken three of those. So there are 21 slots available for you to um, serve Blueprint, but also come and connect with, with our kids that are at the camp. And I set it up to where you all will get a text message at noon today. So right as you're starting to eat lunch, you are going to get a text message from Hope with the link to sign up for that. So I thought about trying to wake you up during the sermon and like sending it at 11, but then I was like, uh, but I'll get discouraged because you guys will all be on your phones, you know, signing up. Maybe. Okay. All right. Anything else I need to say about Blueprint, Lois? Yep, yep. Okay, yep. So that, so more than three spots have been taken at this point. No, that's good, that's good. All right, what else am I missing? Okay, very good. Well, it looks like most of my important people are out today. So, you know, I could still give you the children's chat version, but I think we'll skip it. So, um, pray with me, and then we will jump into the text. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to open up your word and to just sing your praises. Lord, life is difficult and fast, and there's a lot on everybody's plate. And so we just, we just want to take this time and give it to you. We want to slow down and listen to your word and get re-centered on um, 
how this whole thing works that you created, that you put in place. And Lord, as we go into that time, we lift up our sister church in Cuba and the other missionaries and churches that we support around the world. We just pray that they would also have um, space and time to meet together and that your peace and your spirit would be with them as well. Lord, we lift up um, our military, whether they're here um, training or they are um, strewn across the world. We just pray that you would protect them and bring them home safe. Lord, we lift up um, the conflict in Ukraine, and we just pray for peace. We pray for your church to have the opportunity to step in and minister in that part of the world in a mighty way so that those people would, would know true peace, not just an escape from war, but a true peace with you that can only be found through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we lift up our country. Um, we just pray that you would use your spirit to, um, to start a revival here, to change hearts, and in the process, draw us together. Um, help us to, to just be nice to each other. Be nice to people that, um, that we disagree with. And to, in those disagreements, for us to, um, to share your love, um, even if we disagree about um, a best course of action or, or what the truth is, but let your love go forth out of those um, situations. And Lord, we just lift up relationships, whether they're marital relationships or friendships or parents and kids. We just pray that, um, that your peace would encapsulate those, that you would draw people back, that you would prove one relationship at a time, that you are an expert at reconciliation, that you would help us to demonstrate your love through the drawing together of, of people and, and any solving friction and, and being honest and transparent with each other. And Lord, just give us wisdom and discernment about how to live our lives and how to move through the decisions that are before us. Lord, take your word, open it up, and change us with it. Help us to understand it and to um, live it out and take it into this hurting world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been in this sermon series on in the book of Isaiah for, um, I guess, the entire spring semester. Um, the book of Isaiah hits on these three themes, um, separation, salvation, and sanctuary. We're going to see all three of those themes re um, reflected today in um, the ch chapter 60 of Isaiah, and we're really going to be getting to what makes it to where we can thrive, right? You know when someone is thriving. You can see it in their lives. And it might just be for a, a short blip, right? But you can see it in their confidence and all of the different ways they, they interact with, with you and with other people. And so we want to get to the root of that. What, what makes that a realistic goal? What, what sets that up for success? And the simple answer is that 
when God reveals his glory, we are able to thrive. And it's the, it's the only reason, and it's that way because that's how God created us. But let's jump in and read this text. Um, we're going to read all 22 verses, so I hope you don't get tired of my voice. But Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude, a multitude of camels shall, come, shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and, and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. That people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that, that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion on the Holy One of Israel." Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breasts of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior, savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. 
Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace. And your taskmasters, righteousness. Violence shall be no shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall no more shall be your <laughs> the sun shall be no more your light by day nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. There's a lot here. And we are not going to mine every diamond, right? We've got to beat the Baptists to lunch, let's be honest. So what I want you to know is that God has revealed his glory, and that allows us to thrive now, right? We can do this because of this light that he gives us. It will be helpful if you will expect a world in darkness. So if you will expect a world in darkness, it will be easier for you to thrive now. You can live in his light, right? But it helps if you expect difficulty, trials, tribulations we live in a dark world and if i can just take a second i i'm not sure if this is philosophy or theology so i'm just gonna philosophize <laughs> but i think that when your your heart when your soul when you see something that isn't right you guys see what's done wrong to other people. I just see the stuff that's done wrong to me because I'm kind of me-focused. Maybe you guys are like that too. But when we see that, when we're dissatisfied with the way life is going, this is one of the reasons that we know the Bible is true. Because if all of us are just here by happenstance. You know, if we just evolved out of the primordial ooze and there is no Garden of Eden experience, 
if, if that's not a real thing, then each one of us, having come out of the primordial ooze, will have only experienced this broken and hurting world. And so our souls would never go, no, that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. But somewhere down deep inside you and down deep inside every single creation of God who bears his image, every single person, there's a little piece of their soul that knows that at one time it was perfect. And that's the way it ought to be. And so we live in this dark world and we know that things are not the way they ought to be. And so when you see that injustice, when you see somebody being taken advantage of, one, don't be surprised, right? It'll help you thrive. But two, just like when you lose someone, right? There was no death in the garden, right? Every time we lose someone, every time we're going through that grieving process, that is a call to remember that this life is not the way it ought to be. And all the little injustices that you see and that hurt you, that is a reminder that it is not the way now that it ought to be. Now, do we as Christians have perfect answers for how all of this came about? I will be honest with you, right? The, the problem of evil in this world is one of the most difficult philosophical questions that any man, any woman has ever tackled, okay? Is the Christian answer perfect? No, it's not. There are weaknesses in our answer, okay? But what I want you to know is, is that our answer is still better than anybody else's. So if you, if someone ever brings this to you, says, well, what about evil, right? Give, and, and we can work on this together if you'd like, but give them our answer, right? But don't leave it there. Ask them what their answer is. Because their answer is gonna have more holes in it than ours. It's not that our understanding is perfect. It's just that our understanding explains more and it explains it better. Okay? So when you are feeling injustice or you're seeing injustice, it is a reminder that it was perfect back in the garden. And we're going to see later on in the chapter that God's going to set it right. It's going to be perfect again, and your soul knows it. But as, as we thrive together, we need to expect that there is darkness, okay? In verse 4, the, um, it starts with, lift your eyes all around and see. If your head is down because you are just trying to make it through the week and every muscle hurts, 
yeah, Luke, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you can do, right? You're in a, a hard time, but don't, don't make big life decisions. Don't make big life judgments in a week like that where all you can do is, is put out fires as fast as you can, can do that, right? We need to lift up our eyes, and look to God to tell us and help us to understand and to have a proper perspective on this life, right? We don't make decisions on our worst week, right? You might not want to make decisions on your best week either. <laughs> it's probably wise to make decisions, you know, on, on weeks where it's a little bit more even keeled. But we've got to look up, right? And it's God's light that allows us to have that proper perspective, to see it. And we use God's word to help us with that. Um, we also need to understand that God created you to live in community. So you will thrive among his people. Sprinkled throughout this chapter are the the calling back of the sons and the daughters, right? We need to watch as God just pulls people in and just a random collection of folks. Yeah. Watch as God draws every tribe, right? His church is going to look different, right? I mean, look at this hodgepodge of people. Right, with all your different ethnicities and you come from different walks of life with different experiences. And that's what makes us so great. God does that on purpose. So watch as he draws people from every tribe and know that part of our thriving now is in this community. And we see that God is going to not only provide for you, but he's going to give you more than you needed. He's going give, to give us more than, than definitely what we deserve, right? But we are to rejoice in God's overflow, in his overflow, as, um, you know, it's, you don't just get, in verse 6, one camel, right, a multitude of camels will, shall cover you. There, there will be gold and frankincense, right, which when you hear those words, my mind goes straight to the magi bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's th these little hints towards, towards our Savior, right? We can also thrive when we are under his promise, we, we need to remember this promise when, when you're in the darkest of days, right? It's that promise that, that he is there for us, that he will provide for us, not only a savior, but also just take care of us physically that will help us push through that. Um, we can find security in his justice, okay? You see the, 
the idea that the gates in verse 11, your gates shall be open continually day and night. They shall not be shut. This is the, like in ancient cities, you know, the sun starts going down. Everybody better get inside because we are shutting the gates because we know that an attack could be coming at any time. But that's not the case here. Your gates are going to always remain open. You're going to be free to come and go because we exist in full security and safety. But we also need to, as we live under this promise, we also need to wait on God to do the work. If you read this section, right, this is God doing all of these things on your behalf. Right? You don't have to fight your own battles. The, the story of, uh, that's displayed in God's word is one of God being there for his people, for his chosen people. Um, you see it here, but my mind also runs to when the, when the Egyptians are chasing the Israelites, when they, the Pharaoh has decided that he's made a mistake back in Exodus, that he finally let the people go, but he changes his mind and he, he runs after them, right? The entire Egyptian army, which probably was one of the most formidable armies of their day, is completely and totally wiped out and not a single Israelite wields a single sword because God is doing the work. He's fighting those battles. So the story of the Christian life is, yes, we're faithful to, to you know, we don't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. It's not what I'm saying. We are faithful to do the work in front of us. But so many of these issues or these dark places, like God's the one who has to show up and, and do that work. It's, it's not on you. So wait on God to do the work. And when we are looking to thrive now in the conflict, in the insecurity, right? We have relationships breaking down. We have um, just hard times. We've been put through the ringer the last couple of years. Um, it's really helpful for you to remember that all of this is going to get solved, that you are going to thrive forever with God. And that will be a whole nother level of thriving. But you, that we can thrive forever, and we will And the first step in that is in his salvation, right? We have to rely on God and his salvation. And we see this description of who God is in verse 16. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob, God is the one who saves us. And 
outside of that salvation, outside of God sending his son to die on the cross for our sins, there's no real peace with God, right? We might get a respite, a lack of conflict in this life, but your real problem can only be solved through Christ on the cross. My real problem, right, is always a vertical one. I might experience horizontal problems with people, you know, with other sinners, but my real problem is a sin problem, right, or a worship problem. If I'm, there, there's any number of ways for that to work out, but there's only one God who is worthy of worship, right? And when we get that mixed up, when we get that twisted, then breakdown on this level starts to happen, right? But we got to get right vertically with God. We have to have true peace with him before we can really expect reconciliation and peace on the horizontal. So, we just have to remember to be defined by who God is, right? God is your savior. He is your redeemer. He's going to save you and he is going to buy you back through his son's death on the cross. And we need to be defined by what God has done, right? You are a child of God who God sent his son to die for. That's who you are, right? The world wants to tell you something very different, but be defined by who God is and what he has done for you. That is the most important thing about you. When we move deeper into this description of heaven after verse 16, and it almost, it almost seems like that John, if you're familiar with his description of heaven in Revelation, is just wholesale copying Isaiah, right? If, if these two were in school at the same time, right, the teacher would have read Isaiah and then read John, and they would have said, um, John, here's your F, because you cheated. This is called plagiarism, and you can't do that. But he's just borrowing these ideas, right? And there's this, there's this everlasting light. Like We are going to thrive forever in his light. The sun is no longer going to go down. We won't need the moon to reflect the sun's light because God will be our light. And so we want to live now in anticipation of living without shadow, right? And it, it pulls us back to this idea that we're supposed to expect darkness God knows everything about you. He knows exactly all of your sin. He knows all of your junk, all of your trash. 
So we might as well bring that to him and confess it so that we can live without this shadow. We, we want to live now as much as it is possible for the way that we're going to live then in eternity forever with God. And the great thing is, is that every single day or every single five minutes, if you're like me, and you mess that up, there's so much grace for every single one of those instances. So we want to, as we live in that light, we want to live aligned with our ultimate purpose. Right? You were created. You were built to live and to thrive in God's glory. But like that, it, it's hard for us to imagine this, but it is, it's the idea that, that separated from God's goodness, separated from, from God's um, plan for us, it breaks down. And we see that in all of our lives, right? We are to live in that purpose where something is just completely in tune. Something is completely in harmony with the way that it was made, right? If you've got, you, you see this in little brief glimpses all the time where something is actually going right and it's working the way that it should. And it, it's amazing how things will fall together for you. My mind goes to, you know, fast cars and sports, right? For an instant, that car is, is working fine, right? It won't be long before it breaks down and you got to fix it again. But when it's set up and it's going right, it's amazing how the laws of physics can get bent so it can go faster. Or, you know, <coughs> golf is a maddening game that my dad taught me or cursed me with um, when I was nine years old, right? And it, <sighs> a fresh, a more frustrating game has never, has never been devised where one out of, you know, every 10,000 shots, you hit it like an absolute pro, right? You, you hit that chip and it bounces across the green and you're within inches of the cup. And you're like, dude, I should play on the tour. Like, I'm, I'm good. But I've also absolutely lost it on a golf course. Um, one time I almost lost my life on a golf course because I hit the grass farther than the ball. And I was, I was only like 10, and you know, 10-year-olds aren't that bright. So I crow-hopped and threw the club even farther than the grass or the ball, <laughs> having forgotten that my father was on the other side of the fairway. You see where this is going. All I hear is his clubs fall to the ground and him make this silent beeline right at me. And you know how like 
some dogs bark, making a lot of noise, and you're like, nah, all bark and no bite. But if you see a big, mean dog moving at you quickly with no sound, you're actually in for it. That was that feeling. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm, well, I mean, murder is wrong. That's why I'm here, <laughs> right? But, but when it works, right, we, we see these brief glimpses of, of things happening exactly the way they should, right? The, these nice little instances, these snapshots of, of things working right, right? And that's what we're, we're striving for. You were built to worship God. There's a million different ways to do that, right? But you were built to worship God, and when you were doing that, that's where we're, we're thriving. And there is going to be a time you're gonna get a new body, right? Like, no more pain. No, Jack, no more pain. No more pain. There's, there's not gonna be any violence. There's not gonna be anything, right? You are going to live in, a, in perfect accordance with how God built you to worship him. There's not gonna be any obstacles. And we want to, we want to live as much like that as we can now. And again, in heaven, you're still going to be among his people. And we get a small collection here in the church now, but how beautiful is it going to be to watch God glorify himself through his people? Because every tribe and tongue will be there worshiping. Because this is how God displays his glory is through you now and forever. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for that world with no more tears and no more pain, no violence, it's like Isaiah does this kind of mean little trick right there at the end of verse 22. Verse 22 says, the least one shall become a clan and the smallest one a mighty nation. He's still hammering away at this idea that it will never be the way the world imagines it. Luke um, seems to be painting in his gospel this idea of an upside down kingdom. We see that echoed here. And he goes on to say, I am the Lord. In its time, this text needs to be changed to say, in Rusty's time, I will hasten it. But that's not what it says. In its time, I will hasten it. So as we move through this life together, trying to thrive forever, like we're trying to thrive now like we will thrive forever. We need to encourage each other in patience because I might have a day where I'm doing really well and my brother or my sister needs to hear God's truth from me and I can encourage them to, to wait, 
it's not in our timing. God never works on my schedule. And I'm, I'm not really sure why. I, I know that I ask him that question quite often, like, what am I supposed to be learning through this experience? Help me to just learn it so we can move on. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm done with this. Help me out here. Um, so remember that we, we just need to encourage each other with patience. And um, as a, a friend of mine told me recently, don't worry, it'll get worse. I'm not sure, not sure that's the kind of encouragement that we need, but, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Okay. So, again, we, the relationships that we have here at the church is vital to you thriving both now and forever. It is about people. So, as you get opportunities to um, dig in with each other, please do that. Encourage each other to, with the truth, but to be patient and wait for his time. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you don't leave us wondering about how it will all work out. Um, you leave us wondering why things are happening the way that they are. Um, that's, I'm sure it's for our own good to help us to work out our faith. But Lord, we can stand confident knowing that you are always faithful to keep your promises, that you have promised to bring us into a time where we are continually in fellowship with you, with no sin. And Lord, just help us to lift up our eyes and look towards that time to help us to have the proper perspective um, on the tough days that we're in the middle of now. Lord, thank you for sending your son to ultimately um, solve our sin problem and to bring us true peace with you. And we know that it is without that that we would be hopelessly lost. Lord, I just pray that we would be salt and light to those around us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.